0: for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, July 21st, 2014. Okay, so the thing I'm learning about North Dakota, yeah, the, um, how do I put this? The buildings in North Dakota, they're very good at keeping heat in. Not so good at letting it out during the summer. It it can get a little toasty inside of your uh, buildings where you're staying and where you're working. 90 degrees in the PCR studio right now. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to slow down, stop, open up our Bibles, and see if what people are saying actually squares with what God's Word says. There's a lot of deception Out there, and uh, we take the time to help inoculate people so that they are not, uh, they don't come down with a bad case of bad theology. Uh, Bad theology being, you know, like the prosperity heresy or even the purpose driven religion and things like that. This this isn't Christianity, although it masquerades as Christianity and uh, thrives among people who, well, call themselves Christian. Unfortunately, uh, the damage that it's doing is uh, inestimable here in the United States. And, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And it's actually not just here in the U.S., but the U.S. and abroad. Okay, we've got a lot of ground that we've got to cover today. We've got a brand-new broadcast week ahead of us and lots that we've got to do. First thing we're going to do is we're going to cover a story. Um, You, you know Tony Palmer, Bishop Tony Palmer, the guy who's – that Anglican bishop, um, who's close friends with Pope Francis, yeah, that guy, yeah, the guy who who personally carried that video from the Pope to um, to Kenneth Copeland uh, at the beginning of the year, and uh, and you know, and kind of started the whole ball rolling with the uh, the well, the uh, Word of Faith heretics and the Roman Catholic Church wanting to visibly unite with each other. Well, uh he died over the weekend. Um young guy, he was killed in a motorcycle accident. We'll cover that story. We'll give you more details here in a little bit. And this is one of those things where I'm shocked. Uh shocked to the point where it's it's just bizarre, you know, one of these things is like what what are we to think of this? What are you know. And you know, clearly it was an accident. At least that's the way it's supposed to be happening, but Again, it's just—it's one of these weird stories that, you know, when you lay it all out, you sit there and wonder, what is going on, you know? And so uh, we'll take a look at that. We'll change gears. And last week we had a, a complete uh, Joel Osteen and Terry Savelle fo- uh, Foy free uh, broadcast week. Not, not so this week. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> you know, we've got... We've got stuff that we've got to cover, and so we will be uh, uh, giving you a Terry Savelle Foy, Joel Osteen kind of twin spin. They kind of work together, and then we'll take a break. When we come back, we have a Kong He update, uh, and Kong He is uh, in the the video that we'll be playing is uh, kind of like one of the the standard ways to twist the story of um, Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. And that's to emphasize always the temporal, but never the eternal. It's it, Again, it, it's, it's, a, it's an easy uh, text to take out of context and make it into something it's not. It's something akin to uh, what Patricia King did uh, a few weeks back talking about dryness in your life. You know, are you having those dry uh, moments in your life? And then what we'll do in hour number two, we have a uh, sermon review. We'll be heading down to Faith Church in uh, St. Louis. And listen to a sermon entitled "Yellow Brick Road" delivered by Nicole Crank, uh huh, pastrix. Nicole, she apparently she co pastors with her husband. Uh, and so, "Yellow Brick Road" is the name of the sermon that we'll be reviewing today. So we have a, a, literally a ton of ground to cover, and so we're going to get right to it. And uh, since we're doing an update that I think probably is a Roman Catholic Church update, I think. Requires me to do this. Yeah, that's right. The headline from Christian today is Christians mourn death of Bishop Tony Palmer, who was friend of Pope Francis. This is written by a Ruth Gledhill. Yeah, that's right. The Imperial March. Uh, Yeah, that's our uh, Roman Catholic Church update music. And again, I think this is a Roman Catholic Church update. Just I think. Anyway, here's what the story reads. Evangelicals and other Christians worldwide are mourning the sudden death of a bishop in a breakaway Anglican church who had become a close personal friend of Pope Francis, also uh, Kenneth Copeland, by the way. uh, British-born Tony Palmer has died in hospital following hours of surgery after a motorcycle accident in the UK. He moved with his family to South Africa when he was 10, but currently lived with his wife, Emiliana, and two children in Towbridge, Wiltshire. He was a bishop of with the communion of evangelical Episcopal churches which embrace the middle ground of Anglican identity. What is that? (laughs) The middle ground of Anglican identity? What is the middle ground? Anyway, in January this year, Pope Francis sent Bishop Palmer to a charismatic conference hosted by television evangelist Kenneth Copeland, where he unveiled a video message of unity and love that the Pope had suggested that he do. The news of his death was disclosed by the Archbishop Charles Hill, patriarch and presiding prelate of Ambassadors for Christ Ministries of America, who wrote on Facebook yesterday... We are in prayer for the family of Bishop Tony Palmer, who was in a motorcycle accident this morning in the UK. After hours of surgery, he went home to be with the Lord. He was a good friend and brother in the vineyard. Kathy Schiffer reported on her Seasons of Grace blog, Tony Palmer, the charismatic young preacher who enjoyed a friendship with Pope Francis, has apparently died in a motorcycle accident, not a Catholic... Uh, palmer was bishop in the communion of evangelical episcopal churches a group that broke away from the anglican church and considered it, itself part of get this the, the, this is the weird name the convergence movement the what the 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 what the conver what's converging well apparently the word of faith heresy in the roman catholic church so you know tony palmer i i think has kind of served his purpose though uh uh, you know, I think Pope Francis and Kenneth Copeland and James Robinson and others can kind of take it from here and uh but uh yeah again it's just bizarre, absolutely bizarre that uh he's uh, found himself dead, you know killed in a motorcycle accident it's again it's I, I don't how know how else to report on it except for to report what happened. And uh, I'm not sure what to think of it. Just, you know, it's one of those things that just leaves me scratching my head, just wondering if there's more to this story than uh, meets the eye. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, your guess is as good as mine on that. Moving along.
1: Hiya, Bobby.
2: Hi, Ken.
1: You want to go for a ride?
2: Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Barbie.
0: Nobody. Yeah, that's right. It's a Terry Savelle Foy update. Plastic. Plastic. I yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a Barbie girl. Uh-huh. All right. So uh, we're going to be listening to, um, well, part of the latest Terry Savelle Foy update, um, you know, video from her video blog. She will be broadcasting from well Paris which seems to be her a favorite uh, haunt during the um, summer months uh, where she likes ministering of course and well she's the name of the video is educate yourself educate yourself and to which i basically ask and what does this have to do with sound biblical doctrine and christianity and she considers what she's doing on youtube to be a christian ministry and I'm, of course my question is What, again, makes it a Christian ministry by any stretch of the word Christian or ministry? I I have no idea. But here is Terry Savelle Foy to tell you the importance of educating yourself. Here we
3: go.
2: Bienvenue à Paris. This is my last week to podcast from Paris. I've had so much fun bringing the podcast to you from my favorite city in the world, Paris, France. And, of course, this is the mission field of Terry Savelle Foy Ministries.
0: The mission field, yeah at the end of your mission, what have people learned about Jesus?
2: And I want to thank you, partners, because you have helped us make such a difference in this nation. Um, you know, this whole month I've been talking about confidence, building your confidence. Why is it so important? Because it affects your ability to pursue your dreams. You know, it took a certain level.
0: huh. So you need confidence so that you can pursue your dreams. How did this become like a core foundation stone within visible Christianity? I, I don't understand this. I mean, it, literally, I mean, there are so many people running around the landscape talking about the importance of birthing your dreams, pursuing your dreams. And, and in the name of ministry, in the name of Jesus, are out there trying to give us tips and advice so that we can chase after the temporal.
2: The temporal. ...of confidence for me to say... I'm going to Paris, France, and I'm going to do something in this nation, especially when I didn't know anyone here. I didn't have any friends in Paris. I didn't know how to start, but it started with a dream and building my confidence in God's ability to use me.
0: Uh-huh. What did you – um teach the people in france about jesus again i'm a little confused
2: well you have to do the same thing i don't want you to just wish so bad that things would change in your life and watch other people pursue their dreams while you sit back on the sidelines and just wish and wonder what could happen you know i'm believing that you are going to build your confidence to such a degree that you're going to step out in faith step out of your comfort zone and do what god's telling you to do
0: what is god telling me to do
2: you know i read a story about a lady who at 16 years old she got pregnant okay dropped out of school and of course she thought you know that's her lot in life is to be a single mom you know no high school diploma just settle for life below average well she got a hold of the word of god and she began building her confidence and realizing God had more for her, that she wasn't going to settle, she wasn't going to live an average life. She just started believing that God had more for her life. Well, she got a job working at a school cafeteria, and she was collecting the meal tickets. But as I said, she got a hold of the Word of God, and she just kept declaring, God has more for me. Well, she began building her confidence. In fact, she...
0: Okay, so this is kind of like the typical story of people in the United States. I mean, why do I need a crucified and risen Savior for this? I mean, there are lots of people out there who, you know, early on in life have made some very, very poor decisions that have set them back. And they've, you know, it's taken longer for them to, you know, Crawl out of the hole that they made for themselves. And so, you know, you're talking about a, a girl you know, who got pregnant, who was a single mom, you know, the, clearly a sinful, bad decision on her part. And so she climbs the ladder and educates herself and and she works in the school cafeteria. And uh, you, obviously we're going to hear a success story here. But this could happen to somebody who's a Muslim. This could happen to somebody who's a Buddhist. This could happen to an atheist. This could happen to somebody who's into Wicca. Again, what does this have to do with biblical Christianity? And why the focus on the temporal and the here and now?
2: Got her GED, graduated from high school, and then she started building her confidence more and said, God has more for me. She went to college, graduated from college, got her bachelor's degree, Then she kept saying, God has more for me. She kept building her confidence more in the fact that I don't have to settle for life where it is. She got her master's degree.
0: No way. Wow, what a miracle. I mean, no one ever gets those.
2: She built her confidence more. She went back and got her doctorate. She's now a principal in the same school district where she used to work in the cafeteria and collect the meal tickets. Isn't that awesome?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the climb the ladder the career ladder typical story i mean young people start off working at mcdonald's or in the mail room and then you, you always get the story of the guy who starts off in the mail room of a large corporation you know and uh, and then he climbs the ladder and then he becomes the ceo right again why do i need a crucified and risen savior for this and what does this have to do with jesus anyway
2: but what could happen to you if you would develop that kind of confidence that God has more for you? You know, Dave Ramsey says, if you want to be successful, study successful people.
0: Uh huh. So if you want to be successful, study successful people. I've heard other people aside from David Ramsey say that. Again, yeah, they're flat-out pagans. I mean, this is a typical mantra that you hear at many corporate uh, conferences.
2: You want to be rich, study rich people.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. If
2: you want to be skinny, study skinny people.
0: See, that's my problem. See, I, I clearly I have an obesity issue because I haven't been studying enough skinny people.
2: <sighs> but here's the thing about studying. The more you study, the more knowledge you gain. The more knowledge you gain, the more confident you become. For example, do you think that Dave Ramsey is competent to talk about money? Yeah, because he studies money. So if you ask him money questions, he's got the wisdom, he's got the knowledge, because he studies in that area.
0: Uh huh. And Terry, I got to ask the question Do you study in sound biblical doctrine? Do you read Greek and Hebrew? Have you taken hermeneutics? Do you understand uh, how to properly handle and exegete God's word? Do you understand, you know, all of the core doctrines of the historic Christian faith, historic biblical Christian faith that Christians have believed, taught and confessed through the through the millennia? You know, that being the, you know, I I doubt you have. So why would I want you to minister to me or to anybody else?
2: Do you think that Jillian Michaels is confident to talk about fitness?
0: Sure, yeah, I'm sure she is.
2: Yeah, because she studies fitness. She knows it inside and out. Therefore, she has a certain level of confidence to talk about fitness. Well, think about Rachel Ray. Is she confident to talk about cooking? You know, I can guarantee you Rachel Ray will never invite me on her show (laughs) to talk about recipes.
0: Right, and I would never invite you into my church to teach a Bible study.
2: I don't know how to cook. You know, sandwiches are my specialty. <laughs> I'm kind of like a sandwich artist. But my point is, I would be, I would freak out if Rachel Ray ever invited me on her show because I am the most insecure cook. <laughs> I don't have any knowledge about cooking. I wouldn't know what to say. I would feel out of place. But Rachel Ray has confidence to talk about cooking because she studies cooking. She studies recipes. Well, I have confidence to talk about dreams and goals. Why? Because I study dreams and goals.
0: Uh, (laughs) Again, what makes this a ministry again, studying dreams and goals?
2: The The more time you study something, the more knowledge you gain, the more confident you become. And that's true in any area of life. My dad, Jerry Savelle, he is known around the world for preaching on the favor of God. But you know what?
0: Yeah, again, word of faith heretic.
2: Studies the favor of God. Therefore, he's confident to communicate about favor. Well, where do you need to spend your time gaining knowledge so you'll develop confidence? If you're insecure about the way you spend money, then start studying in the area of money. Start reading books. Start watching podcasts. Start listening to audio CDs on your way to work. And you'll gain confidence where your money's concerned.
1: Yeah,
0: this, this type of advice, in fact, this very advice that we're listening to, it's a dime a dozen. What makes this a ministry? What does this have to do with Jesus? Wait, and why is it the Christians today are so focused? I mean, like, obsessed that somehow the you know the christian faith is all about just the here and the now we're just passing through and do you do you think the measure of whether or not you are sanctified is how healthy and wealthy and shiny your teeth are yeah by the way that was on purpose cuz it's uh, time to do this
4: when i'm feeling lonely sad as i can be
1: All by myself, an uncharted island
0: in an endless sea What makes me happy, fills me up with glee Those bones in my jaw that don't have a flaw,
1: my shiny teeth and me
5: My shiny teeth that twinkle, just
4: like the stars in space My shiny teeth that sparkle, and beauty to my face My shiny teeth that glisten, just like the Christmas tree Another walk of mile just to see me
1: smile. Woo! Shiny teeth
0: and me. That's right. That's Chip Skylark and Shiny Teeth and Me, our Joel Osteen update music. So, um, as you listen to this week's installment of Jokes and Bad Theology from Joel Osteen, uh, as you listen to it, keep in mind the focus, the emphasis, if you would, of what it is that Joel Osteen is saying. Is it on the eternal or is it on the here and the now? Here, listen in. Champion in you.
5: Uh,
0: there is no champion in you. Scripture says you're born dead in trespasses and sins. It should be discover the sinner
3: in you. Well, God bless you. It's Always a joy to come into your homes. And if you're ever in our area, please stop by and be a part of one of our services. I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. But thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you again for coming out. I'd like to start with something funny. And I heard about this elderly couple. They were sitting in a swing celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. Feeling romantic, the husband said to his wife, Oh, dear, our love is tried and true. His wife had difficulty hearing it and asked him to repeat it. He said it louder. I said, our love is tried and true. She still couldn't hear him. said, what? Would you please speak up? Frustrated, he shouted, I said, our love is tried and true. She said, well, fine. I'm sick of you too. (laughs) Hold up your Bible. Why is that funny to me? Hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the word of God. No, you won't. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I want to talk to you today about reprogramming your mind.
0: Uh Uh-huh, reprogramming my mind. Can, can, offhand, can you come up with any biblical passages that you can think of that tell us the importance of reprogramming our
3: minds? I mean, I'm struggling here. Our mind is like a computer. Yeah. How we program it is the way it's going to function. You can have the most powerful computer made, the latest, fastest, holds the most memory, but if you put the wrong software in it, it's not going to function like it was designed.
0: You mean like, you know, Windows. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm a Mac guy.
3: We've all had to deal with these computer viruses. I'm a Mac guy. Never had to worry about that. They can get into a perfectly good computer and start to contaminate the software. Before long, the computer is slow. You can't access your files. All these problems occur, not because it's defective. It's poorly made. No, the hardware is fine. It's because somebody reprogrammed the software. Hmm. I don't like where he's going
0: with this, and I'll tell you why. Because just starting to connect the dots, you can begin to see where he's heading, and where he's heading is toward a flat-out uh, confession of the, uh, well, the uh, Pelagian heresy. And you're going the the, the what? Yeah, that's right. There's a, there's a heresy if you were to google it, you can find more information, but on the Fighting for the Faith website, uh if you go back into the archives of Fighting for the Faith, there was a series of lectures that we played on air that were delivered by Phil Johnson. And Phil Johnson, uh basically laid out in these series of lectures that we played, you know, that like the major heresies, okay, that Christianity has faced over uh the millennia. One of them, obviously, you know, is the Pelagian heresy. And if you want more details about it, then uh, then I would recommend going and finding in the archives the details of the Pelagian heresy and Phil Johnson's lecture on it. But let me kind of give you the the rough thumbnail sketch. And the, the idea it kind of goes along the lines of this metaphor: if you were actually suffering from cancer. Okay, let's let's say you didn't know you had cancer and uh, but you began to become symptomatic to the point where you realized something was terribly wrong, but you didn't know quite what it was. And so you went to your doctor and your doctor, you know, basically did an examination and said, "Yeah, listen, take a couple of aspirin, it's no big deal get a little bit of rest and and uh, and talk to me next week you know call me next week and let's see how you feel and so you know all right okay uh, i so you do that and the following week you call me say you know listen i i feel worse uh, you know it not only did rest not help and and aspirin, not take the symptoms away. But I mean, I'm really and truly feeling worse. Okay, well, come on in and, and you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do another examination. So they they do another exam, examination, but he's not taking any blood work. Nope, no, no blood work. Um, You know, and, you know, just basically kind of checking you out and going, well, you look okay to me, you know, and, uh, you know you're, you're you seem healthy, you know. You, you know, you seem perky and all this kind of stuff. And so, well, you know, if we, so you're fine. So they send you home, and and then finally you realize, you know, God, this it's really getting worse. And so, yeah, you, you know, you make a, a an appointment at another doctor, and this doctor though realizes, okay, something's off here, and they perform blood work, do a full workup, and you know, basically decide to get drill down and get down to the problem. And the doctor comes back and, you know, in a few days and says, listen, you've got cancer. And um, if we don't do something about this now, you, you could die. You know I mean, that, that, So the idea then is, is that, this is the way the metaphor works, a bad diagnosis always will result in the wrong treatment. Always result in the wrong treatment. So when we look at humanity, when we look at what's going on on the earth, Is the reason why there's so much sin, so much evil, why we need to have police officers and armies and why everybody, each and every one of us, can look back in the history of our life and just cringe at how far we've fallen short of God's holy law and standards, right? Forget the guy out there. I mean, just look at yourself. What's the reason for this? The reason for this, according to scripture, is that you were born dead, D-E-A-D, dead in trespasses and sins. You were not mostly dead. You are not fatally wounded. You are dead in trespasses and sins. There isn't a single human being alive who is good. We are all evil, every one of us. This is the the doctrine in uh, Calvinist terms, we, they talk about it as you know total depravity. In uh, the Lutheran doctrine, we talk about original sin. This is the doctrine of original sin. And that is, is that within the human nature, from the time of Adam and Eve until now, every human being born in the natural way has inherited a sinful, corrupt, Nature and all human beings are born in bondage to sin, death, the devil, dead in trespasses and sins. And when it comes to God, and this is where you kind of have to make this important distinction. When it comes to things pertaining to God, no human being has free will. No, every human being has a bound will. And when it comes to the things of God, the only thing our sinful nature will do is say no right and that it's god then who has to regenerate us god who makes us alive god who raises us from the dead and and, and you can find this again in thumbnail sketch in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 here's what it says and you, you 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 people at Ephesus you Christians at Ephesus you were you know before you were Christians you were dead But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So the idea here is is that no human being, not one, is born good. And you're sitting there going, but haven't you seen little babies? They're so cute. Yeah, each and every one of them, born dead in trespasses and sins. And the fact that they die, okay, is proof, objective proof, that they are little sinners, sinners by nature. Okay, The wages of sin is death. So the idea is, is that you were not born morally neutral. You were born dead in trespasses and sins. You were not born good. You have inherited a corrupt, sinful, broken nature from your first parents, Adam and Eve. Each and every one of us have done this. In Adam, all have fallen, right? And the only solution to this problem is Jesus and what he's done for us. This is why Jesus is the second Adam. So uh, you can, we can already see where Joel Osteen is going, and he's going in a direction that's going to end up denying the doctrine, the biblical doctrine of original sin and
3: embracing the Pelagian heresy. Somehow the insides got messed up. Now the software is contaminated. In the same way, when God created you, he stepped back and said, another masterpiece. Your hardware is perfect. You're the right size, the right nationality. You have the right gifts. Not only that, God put the right software in you. From the very beginning, he programmed you to be victorious, healthy, strong, creative. That's a weird list.
0: Healthy, strong, creative, victorious—all focusing on the on the on success here and now. But the the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the spirit. The list that Joel Osteen gave sounds like, well, it, it's uh, that God created you to be victorious and successful here and now. But earthly success is not one of the fruits of the Spirit, nor is it ever, you know, touted as an important thing for Christians to pursue. Instead, we're to pursue holiness. We're to humble ourselves, deny ourselves, take up our cross,
3: and follow Christ. Weird, isn't it? Your original software says you can do all things through Christ. He programmed whatever you touch will prosper and succeed. He programmed the head and not the tail. Lend and not borrow. Victor and not victim. You were programmed to live an abundant, victorious, faith-filled life. That's how your creator designed you. But the reason we don't always experience this abundant life
0: Is it because we're born dead in trespasses and sins?
3: Is we've allowed viruses to contaminate our software.
0: We've allowed viruses to contaminate our software.
3: We think, I'll never be successful. I'm not that talented. Uh, That's a sin? I'll never break this addiction. I've had it too long. Uh,
0: Addiction is a euphemism here talking about sins.
3: I'm slow, clumsy, unattractive. Nothing good is in my future. Because our software is infected, we go around low self-esteem, negative, not believing for dreams to come to pass.
0: Not believing for dreams to come to pass. Where does the Bible talk about the importance of believing for dreams to come to pass?
3: Not expecting problems to turn around. Here's the good news. There is nothing wrong with you. That's the good? There's nothing wrong with me? Paul says that we're born dead in trespasses and sins. There's nothing wrong with me? Like that computer, you're not a mistake. You're not faulty. The problem is your software. You've got to get rid of the viruses. All through the day, dwell on what your creator says about you. I'm blessed. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I'm confident. I'm attractive. I'm valuable. I am victorious you've got to get back to your original software. If your thinking is limited, your life will be limited. One of the best things we can learn to do is hit the delete button.
0: Mm, Yeah, where in the Bible does it talk about the importance of hitting the delete button?
3: When negative, discouraging thoughts come, trying to contaminate your software, just hit delete. That thought says, you've seen your best days. It's all downhill from here recognize that's a virus trying to keep you from your destiny. It's a virus trying to
0: keep you from your destiny.
3: huh. It's real simple. Delete. Not dwelling on that. My software says the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. Well, you'll never get well.
0: The path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. S- um, how does the Bible define righteousness? And whose righteousness are we to pursue? You know, Romans 3 talks about a righteousness that's from God that is by faith. Not, I'm made righteous. I mean, notice, there's nothing wrong with you, according to Joel Osteen. Yeah, folks, this, for real, is the Pelagian heresy. And notice the emphasis again. The emphasis is all about the here and the now. Nothing, it's like eternity isn't even on his radar. Yeah, yeah, very, very scary stuff indeed. All right, we are up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash piratechristian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we got a Kong He update. Yeah, as he twists the story of the valley of the dry bones. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
3: Sissyopified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to
1: Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Circus church. Hello. I wish to register a complaint. Uh we're closing for lunch. Never mind that, my lad. I wish to complain about the sermon that I purchased a day ago from this very boutique. Uh yes. Uh what what's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. It's a dead sermon. That's what's wrong with it. No, not possible. You just preached it wrong. Look, Mighty, I know a dead sermon when I preach one, and I know that the sermon I preached yesterday was certainly dead. Jesus Christ wasn't mentioned once. Not even in the footnotes. No, no, you just weren't charismatic enough. Remarkable sermon. Beautiful imagery. The imagery, don't enter into it. It's stone dead. No, 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 no. You're just not open-minded enough. All right, then. If it's not dead, then I shall be able to preach the gospel. I read a portion of it. Ahem. And then the camp counselor told all of the woodland creatures to become more righteous so that they, too, could get to the place called heaven. You you see what I mean? This is ridiculous. There. I found the gospel in the sermon. No, you didn't. That was you just writing the word gospel on the cover of the room-temperature sermon. Well, I never. Yes, you did. I I never, never did anything. This entire sermon fails to preach anything that's worth anything to anyone. Now, that's what I call a dead sermon. No, no, no. You haven't looked deep enough into yourself. You must be joking. Well, you're just being divisive, and you refuse to accept the message that's being presented. Um, Now, look. Now, look, mate. I've definitely had enough of this. That sermon is definitely rotten, and when I purchased it not but a day ago, you assured me that it was Christ-centered, cross-focused, and filled to bursting with the gospel. Well, if you would just read the title. Read the title? What kind of title is this anyway? Super Spiritual Happy Fun Friends Adventure Camp Pack. (laughs) Mate, listen. People wouldn't be chasing me to hear this rubbish if I was firing midgets out of cannons. It's bleeding demise. You didn't buy the Midget Cannon Expansion Pack? The sermon has passed on. The sermon is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to mean its maker. It's a stiff, bereft of life. It burns in hell. If you hadn't put it in the wrong package sleeve, I would be using it for fire starter. The thought processes that brought it about are now history. It's off the twig. It's kicked the bucket. The bleeding choir invisible wouldn't listen to this sham. This is an ex-sermon. Uh,
0: well, well, I, I better replace it then. Let's see. Christ centered uh, gospel, Jesus,
1: uh, uh, well, sorry, Squire. I've had a look around in the back of the shop and, uh, well, we're we'll right out of well, whatever it is that you're looking for. I see. I see. I get the picture. I, I got a sermon here from Rick Warren. Does it contain Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice? Well, no, not really. Well, that's hardly a replacement, is it? Look, if, if, if you're really dead set on the whole Jesus thing, I suggest that you look up Pirate Christian Radio. All they do is talk about Jesus 24-7. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Pirate Christian Radio very well. I'll give them a try.
0: Don't pay more for travel than you need to. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to tell you about Pirate Christian Radio's Featured advertiser, Cheap Air. Cheap Air is a leading provider of airline tickets, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Cheap Air has extensive partnerships with the top travel brands in the world. Now, whether you need to travel for business or for pleasure, Cheap Air can help you save money. And if you visit our website, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, we have a promo code that will save you an additional ten dollars off of cheapo airs already low prices so visit pirate christian com forward slash cheap write down the promo code then click on the banner and book your low cost travel today and remember a portion of your purchase at cheapo air goes to support pirate christian radio Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your church, especially if, well, the emphasis is always on chasing after and succeeding in your dreams and stuff from the temporal. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you to the world and you can partner with us. That's right. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. And of course, If you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button or you can make your gift payable to fighting for the faith and then send that to post office box one three three four four Grand Forks, North Dakota, five eight two oh eight. And let me thank you for your support. We cannot do what we are doing here. Without it, all right. Since we're doing a Kong He update, I, I'm going to put Kong He into kind of the category of, of well, the same category as the money grubbing televangelists. And by the way, his trial in uh, Singapore has resumed. It's kind of one of the longest running, you know, church scandal type financial scandal trials in Singapore's history, and and it's been kicked back into play. Uh, this past week, so it'll be interesting to see how that thing unfolds. But uh, here's our update music for Kong He. Here we go.
1: Don't want no, no loving. loving, don't want no kissing. <laughs> don't want no gal to call me honey, don't want my name in the Hall of Fame. Just want a big fat pile of money <laughs> Give me that almighty dollar For that lettuce, hear me holler Give me buckets full of ducats Let me walk around and wallow in Mazuma. El Dinero, want to be a millionaire oh, Give me money, 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 money I want that green ammunition That's the stuff for which I'm wishing Fill my closets with deposits I'm a demon in addition Give me shackles, give me pesos Let me see their smiling faces Money, 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 money. want to get me a suit That's made out of loot and whistle the word in that monetary is like just like King Midas. Want that golden touch, is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially, substantially. And here's some I can inveigle. Want to live in regal splendor for that and legal tender. Money, 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 money.
0: That's right. That's Dr. Teeth and money, money, money. Now, what we're going to be listening to is another, well, message that seems to focus on the temporal, the here and the now. And... Not even a hint of the eternal for real. Uh, But this is from Kong He's uh, ministry YouTube channel. And the name of the message is, Can These Bones Live? And we'll pay close attention to what he's doing here. Now, keep in mind, the Valley of the Dry Bones is kind of a vision that God gave the prophet Ezekiel. So there's a symbolic meaning behind it. But what is its symbolic meaning? Does it have to do with, well, achieving your dreams and dryness in your life and stuff like that? Well, we'll take a look at the passage along the way. But here's Kong He to set up, well, his false teaching. Here we go.
5: Tonight, will you please turn your Bibles with me, if you have your Bibles, to Ezekiel 37. I want to read to you the first five verses Ezekiel 37 and verse 1.
0: So he's going to read Ezekiel 37, 1 through 5. Hmm.
5: The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out. In the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones. And say to them, O dry bones, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. One day God brought the prophet Ezekiel out by his spirit and brought him to the middle of a valley. The valley had no grass. The valley had no trees, but only rocks. And it was full of bones. And it says, Indeed, they were very dry. God then asked Ezekiel a seemingly ridiculous question. Son of man, can these bones live? Humanly speaking, it was impossible. I mean, how could bones, if, if you see bones, how could they come to life again? It means the person's dead. But as Ezekiel obeyed God and prophesied, the Lord showed him an amazing work of resurrection. Let me tell you, friends, God had created the whole world to be very beautiful and it was very good right at the beginning. Filled with life, with righteousness, peace and joy. But Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 says that the whole world was full of his glory and then Adam rebelled against God and Satan the devil brought death into the world. 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 says, The whole world then came under the control of the evil one everything became a mess we see war and hunger and poverty everywhere marriages are breaking up okay now what he's
0: doing here is interesting now you'll notice that he's affirming that you know that the world is a mess whereas joel osteen says there's nothing wrong with you you know i'm, I'm glad that kong he at least understands that there's biblical texts to talk about the fact that there's something wrong but my question then uh, immediately is this is what do these other passages that talk about the world being a mess, how exactly do they play into Ezekiel 37? By the way, God himself tells us what these dry bones are about. Now, if you have your Bible, open to Ezekiel chapter 37, I'll read it to you, and you can get God's interpretation. This is kind of like you know when Jesus gives a parable, and He interprets the parable. For instance, Jesus interprets the parable of the soils, and He interprets the parable of the weeds in the field. Right? Um, this is God gives the interpretation of what it is that Ezekiel is looking at going on here, and He gives it in well in Ezekiel thirty-seven. If God gives you the interpretation, then you got to go with God's interpretation. You understand what I'm saying? So Ezekiel thirty-seven one says this, The hand of Yahweh, the Lord, was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, "'Can these bones live?' And I answered, "'O Lord, you know.' And then he said to me, "'Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, "'O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. "'Thus says the Lord God to these bones, "'Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live.' I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, Thus says Yahweh, God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says Yahweh God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people and i will bring you into the land of israel and you shall know that i am the lord and when i open your graves and raise you from your graves o my people i will put my spirit within you and you shall live and i will place on you in your own land and i will place you in your own land and then you shall know that i am yahweh i have spoken i will do it declares the lord aha uh-huh. so god gives us the interpretation The bones are the whole, entire house of Israel. Mm -hmm. And he's going to raise people from their graves. Israel. Ah, have you been grafted into Israel? Yeah, Romans says you have. So this is a prophecy really talking about the great last day, pointing us to the, the resurrection of the dead and the all of the house of Israel. We've been grafted into Israel by what Christ has done, right? Okay, so that's the interpretation found there in Ezekiel 37. What do you think, Kong, he's going to do with this? Because he hasn't continued reading. He stopped at verse 5. Bad sign. How much you want to bet he's going to hijack this text?
5: Morality is going down. The whole world is driven by pride and selfishness and greed. And in verse 11, the people indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Our bones are dry. Number one tonight, is there dryness in our lives, in your life? because of us
0: is there dryness in my life well no it's like 90 degrees in the pcr studio right now and it's very humid it's you know it's like almost 60 degree uh 60 humidity so there ain't no dryness here lots of moisture very warm moisty stuff
5: sickness you know in the natural bones are very important because for the good health of our physical body our bones actually support not only our frame but our body tissues. In the June 1997 issue of the Reader's Digest, there was a true story of a girl who contracted leukemia. leukemia. Unless she received bone marrow transplant, she will die. But she had a very rare blood type. It was very difficult for her to find a match. They searched all throughout the country. They couldn't find a donor. The family in the Sands was in the Valley of Dry Bones.
0: Her parents began praying. Yet, no, they weren't in the Valley of Dry Bones. You've now allegorized a symbolic vision. <laughs> it's, like, it's like double vision, you know what I'm saying? This is ridiculous.
5: That perhaps they could have another daughter, another child with the same rare blood type. They were hoping for a second child. That somehow could provide the bone marrow to cure the daughter's leukemia. But what's complicated was this. Both parents were already elderly. And the man had a vasectomy. Now to reverse the vasectomy by itself was going to be complicated. Especially in his advanced age. By faith, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed for a miracle. The man's surgery was a success. As a result, the couple was able to conceive again. Amazingly, they gave birth to a second daughter who had the same rare blood type. 14 months after birth, this second child was able to provide enough bone marrow from the hip and save the older sister's life. Let's give God a big clap. What a great miracle that was.
0: Um, Okay, what does this have to do with the Valley of Dry Bones?
5: Hallelujah. Reader's Digest recorded the story because there's life in the bones. 2,000 years ago, the enemies of Jesus Christ wanted to break His bones so that He would die quicker. But God supernaturally preserved His bones on the cross. And in that sense, you can say Jesus gives His life for us so that we can have physical healing. His uh, what? bones were preserved
0: to give us good health is- no, no 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 no, the reason why jesus 's bones weren 't broken is because that 's part of the, uh, the the typology of the passover lamb who which points to Jesus. You know, remember the fat Passover feast? Yeah, Jesus is our Passover lamb, Scripture says. Well, the Passover feast in the Old Testament, in Exodus, it says very specifically that, you know, when you eat, you have to pick, you know, either uh, you know, a lamb or a goat, um, and, you know, and you kill it, but you can't break any of its bones. yeah. It's because Jesus is the Passover lamb. Where in Scripture does it say Jesus' bones weren't broken so that we can have supernatural healing and health? Answer, it doesn't. Kong, He is twisting God's word.
5: Isaiah 53 and verse 4 says, Surely our sicknesses he has borne, and our pains he has carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plague, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed.
0: Now, this is the typical word of faith out of context uh, misapplication of Isaiah 53. The claim is is that Isaiah 53 is promising supernatural healing here and now. Well, here's the problem. Okay, here's the problem. Let me ask you this. Was Jesus crucified for your sins, yes or no? Well, you sit there and go, well, it sounds like a trick question. But yeah, he was crucified for my sins. Right, right, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Well, if he was crucified for your sins, the wages of sin is what? Well, death. Well, hey, so therefore, if you're in Christ, that means you're never going to die. You sit there and go, no, 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 that doesn't work. Right. Here's the reason why. Yes, our sins are forgiven in Christ. Yes, by his stripes we are healed. Yes, he was pierced for our transgressions. But that does not mean that we do not have to experience death or sickness here and now. Uh-huh. Christ doesn't save us from the curse, he saves us through it. Which means that unless Christ shows up in our lifetime, you can expect that someday his coming when you will die even though the wages of sin is death and jesus died for your sins right it's not that you're not forgiven it's not that jesus didn't die for your sins it's that it, scripture reveals that the end of all sickness the end of death itself isn't until christ returns his intention is to resurrect you that's what the valley of the dry bones is prophesying resurrection right right Okay, so Isaiah 53 is not promising you here and now that you will have perfect health or supernatural health and that it's somehow some promise that if you have enough faith and can name it and claim it and blab it and grab it, that God's going to give you a healing. No, not at all. Okay, that's not what Scripture says at all. You think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, it says that he was given a thorn in the flesh, you know, a harbinger, a messenger of Satan to kind of harass him and keep him humble. Right, and Paul is the is the guy who you know he could heal people by sending a hanky to them, right? And yet Paul wasn't healed. In fact, you know, if when you know reading scripture, it's it's clear that he had some kind of an eye problem. Something was wrong with his eyes, right? Which is why he says to you know one church, you know, if you could have, you would have you know got, ripped your eyes out and given them to me, right? Um, but was Paul healed? No. Nowhere in scripture does it promise here and now that you will have perfect health, perfect wealth, and supernatural success. Okay? What's promised here is suffering. And this is why Jesus says, take up your cross, follow him. You're a dead man walking. You're a dead woman walking. If you're in Christ, this is all going to pass. This is all going to burn. This is temporal. So is your physical body. Which means, you know, if you trust Christ, that yes, he's died for your sins and by his stripes we are healed. The ultimate, the healing that he's going to give you, it's kind of now and not yet. The healing that he's going to give you is perfect health. Perfect health in a glorified, resurrected body that will never die. That's what's coming. It's not nothing. This
5: isn't promised for the here and the now. Tonight, let me tell you, we serve a healing Jesus. Because of Good Friday, you may be here tonight and you're sick in your body. But in Jesus' name, you can rise and be healed by the end of this service. If you believe that, give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So he teaches the word of faith heresy. Perfect health, perfect wealth, and supernatural stuff like that.
5: Somebody shout hallelujah. Friends, it's their dryness. Because of a physical ailment, a sickness, and a disease? Is that cancer or a heart disease? Are you struggling with asthma or azema? Are you struggling with hypertension, sugar diabetes? You know, are you struggling with a physical disability? Tonight, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you can rise and be healed. Jesus died on the cross to take away your sickness and your diseases so that you can receive physical healing this Good Friday. Come on. Get-
0: wow. Talk about twisting God's word. Lift
5: the Lord a lot of big hand.
0: And when people are not physically healed, what ends up happening? Oh, well, you don't have enough faith. It's all thrown back on them. Oh, the promise is sure, but there's something wrong with you. Yeah. This is the kind of message that sounds so hope-filled, so positive, but it's deceptive because it's making God promise something he hasn't promised here and now. Christ has not promised you here and now. Physical healing, he hasn't. He may heal you. He can heal you, but that doesn't mean that he's going to. In his divine sovereign will he may choose to have you suffer through it and our faith is to cling to him even if that's what his will is yeah what kong he is promising here is just it's not what scripture says it's not what what christ has promised us and it overlooks that very important fact that this is an eschatological promise this is the reason why well all of the disciples they're all dead. All the Christians who lived in the first century, they're all dead. Second century, dead. You know, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 13th, they're all dead, right? Yeah. And if Christ tarries, you'll be dead someday too. This is how this works. And Christ is going to raise you from the dead. That's the promise. Again, the promises are eternal. And yet these guys are constantly making merchandise of people by twisting them and making the promise in the temporal, in the here and the now. All right, we are up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pyrochristian or follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Krishna Quick break, when we come back, we're going to be suffering through a Nicole Crank sermon regarding the yellow brick road. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
3: If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
0: Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some. number two of fighting for the faith sermon review time how is it that the church has lost its focus on the eternal well probably because you know itching ears want to hear about a quote-unquote christianity that's all about the here and the now you know Let's do this right. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon? uh, (laughs) Women are not to preach. Um, That's what scripture says. Our sermon today comes to us via Faith Church St. Louis. Nicole Crank presiding. The name of the sermon? Yellow Brick Road. And she even has Yellow Brick Road on stage up there with her. Yeah, and again, notice the inf- the emphasis. It's on the temporal, the here and the now. And um, we'll see if she actually handles God's word correctly at all. I seriously doubt she would know how to do that. She's not interested in that. She's really kind of interested in holding herself up as an example of the person who kind of pulled herself up by her own bootstraps, made some good decisions, and, and found that there was more to her life than what the hand that she was dealt. So... Let me go ahead and kill the music, and without any further ado, here is Nicole Crank and her sermon entitled, Yellow Brick Road. Here we go.
4: Well, how are you guys doing on this awesome night? You see, I was married before, and when I was married before, um, things went a little wrong. And I ended up going to the doctor one time. And when I went to the doctor, I went to him because my neck hurt really bad. And he did an MRI, and I was going back to his office to discuss the results of the MRI. And he said, you have a herniated C7 disc. Tell me again how this happened. And I said, well, um, how did this happen? I was wrestling with my dog. (laughs) And he said, okay. Okay let me ask you again, how did this happen? And I said, well, uh, my dog's a, a big dog. I, I was wrestling with my dog and she put her paw on my neck. And, you know, he said, Nicole, I'm not buying it. What happened to your neck? And I said, well, I was, I was wrestling with my dog. And he said, that's what I'm going to put in your chart. But what I'm going to tell you as a person Is I need you to find somewhere safe to live. So we wrote it in my chart that I was wrestling with my dog. And yet I had a herniated C7. I had a bruised rib. And to go along with that at home, I had a destroyed heart. I had walls that I had been thrown through. I had doors that he had gone through. I had ceiling fans that he had physically just reached up and pulled out of the ceiling and I left the doctor's office in tears thinking, how did I become that girl? How did I become that girl that other people worry about being safe? Because I never thought I would be that girl. How many of you know, I'm kind of loud and boisterous. Like I'm not the girl to shrink back. I'm not shy. How did I get here? And, and why, why won't I tell about what's going on in my life? Well, even without telling before we got married, there, there must have been clues. And people saw what path I was heading down, even though I didn't. My mom told me some things, and I had a girlfriend that was going to be in my wedding. And just a couple of weeks before the wedding, she said, Nicole, I love you, but I can't be a part of this wedding. And I asked her, well, why not? And she said, I can't exactly put my finger on it. I just know that it's not right. So I was headed down this path of life. I was just easing on down my own road. I was just walking along. And I thought I had a destination in mind. I...
0: Easing on down the road. Yeah, a song from, you know, the uh, you know, Oz or uh, the Wiz. The Wiz, that's right. That's the name of the, uh, the musical.
4: I thought the destination I had in mind was the, the little white house, you know, little white fence. If it was really good, there'd be a pool in the backyard. A couple of kids, a couple of dogs, and happiness just easing on down my road. Well, the destination that I had in mind and the path that I ended up taking were two different things. Sometimes we don't think about where the path we are on is going, even if we have clues. And other times, other people can see that destination, but we haven't decided that that's where we're going to end up because that's not where we want to end up that's not what we want we want what we want everybody say I want what I want how many of you know that's true
0: um who's she preaching about herself you this is the hallmark of false doctrine it points you to you
4: we want what we want and sometimes we think because I have a bit of a personality I guess you could call it strong (laughs) I don't know. I won't let my husband call it that. So let's not put it out there. (laughs) But as I'm going down the road in life, when I come up against an obstacle, sometimes my tendency is just to power through it to just push on down the road, push on down the road to get what I want. Just go, just turn me loose. I'll be like a pit bull. I'll just, I'll just go for that thing. And being so busy with what we want, sometimes we don't look at the actual destination that we're headed towards. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, it says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing.
0: Now, is the life and death you're going to focus on eternal life? Broad is the road that leads to destruction, Jesus says, but narrow is the path that leads to life. Are you going to point us to eternal life? What? What's life in Deuteronomy 13? What's life that you're referring to?
4: Then he says something really interesting. He says, Therefore, choose life. Here's what he's saying. When you're on this road, we have a choice. We can choose life, or sometimes, like me, in the marriage that I chose, my first marriage. In the path that I stayed on, when other people saw things coming that I didn't see, when I left the doctor's office and he told me, get somewhere safe, I kept heading down a path that wasn't in a destination that I wanted to go to. And God's in heaven saying, choose life. And then the rest of that scripture says, for both you and your descendants.
0: So so death would have been choosing uh, the wrong spouse to marry. Yeah, don't you think that when Scripture's talking about the difference between life and death, it's more than just the temporal?
4: I wasn't supposed to choose life for just me. I'm supposed to choose life for my children. So we face these forks in the road that eventually determine our destination. And sometimes we make the wrong choice because of fear. And if you brought a notebook tonight or you got your phone out taking notes or you're watching online, here's one thing I want you to write down that is so important. Never, ever, ever make a decision based on fear because any decision made in fear is the wrong decision.
0: Okay, Um, that might be some sage advice. Um, But people are at church, and this is supposed to be a sermon
4: what? Any decision made in fear is the wrong decision? It is, and here's why. Because it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God.
0: Right? Is that- uh, Hebrews 11.6, ripped out of context. Yeah, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What kind of faith pleases God? The faith that trusts in God for the forgiveness of sins. That's what makes us righteous. And even that faith is given to us as a gift. Ephesians 2, eight and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God so that no one might boast. Even the ability to believe, to have faith in God, that's given as a gift.
4: the Bible. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is one road. Now, when we make a decision in fear, fear and faith are kind of the same thing. Like north and south are kind of the same thing. They're the same line. They're the same road. But one direction is north, and the direct opposite direction is south. Well, one
0: direction... And where in Scripture does it say that fear and faith are these types of opposites? I can point you to stuff that talks about how faith and doubt are opposites, especially when it comes to God. You know, rather than believing Him, you doubt Him. Rather than trusting Him, you mistrust Him. Yeah, but fear? Hmm... Yeah, I, I'd like to see the passage that says that, Nicole, but it doesn't sound like you're going to spend a lot of time in God's Word rightly handling it. We continue.
4: As faith headed down the road, the exact opposite direction is fear. So when we make a decision based in fear, are we traveling the faith road? Are we traveling the road that pleases God? Are we probably going to get what we want? No so uh,
0: pleases god so um, you make a decision out of fear you well you're sinning okay i need a biblical text that explains this
4: here's what i was doing in my life i was making decisions based on my mother-in-law already doesn't like me and if i don't fix this she's not gonna like me more my my husband's he's in the medical community and if i reach out and start telling people what's wrong he'll probably lose his job if if I leave my husband to be safe, I can't afford the house payment, so I'm probably going to lose my house. All of these were decisions made in faith. These are decisions made in fear. So let me tell you how that worked out for me. My mother-in-law, she's not my mother-in-law anymore, and I'm pretty sure she doesn't like me. <laughs> His reputation... I was the one who ended up calling his boss when he went to work high one day to work on patients. And I told his boss, I don't think I would let him come to work today. I don't want him to hurt anybody. And I don't want him to hurt himself. So that very reputation I was scared of, I ended up making the phone call. And then my house that I didn't want to lose because you can't, can't live in a house without two incomes. Well, all that money went, all his money was spent on crack anyway. I ended up losing the house. So let me ask you, by staying in an unsafe situation, by operating in fear, by traveling this road, did I get the things that I wanted? No. Fear is deceptive. Fear clouds our vision. Fear gets us emotional. Fear makes us think, you have to buy the car today, lady, because if you don't buy the car, it'll be gone tomorrow. Any decision made in fear is the wrong decision. Boy, you guys are good at this. You guys are picking this up. You know what does encourage me, though, is that my life and my mistakes, that I can share them so that other people hopefully take a different...
0: So we're supposed to learn from your mistakes in your life rather than from the Word of God. Yet Scripture tells pastors that they're supposed to preach the Word.
4: Hmm. Path than I took... There might be people here right now, you're in an unsafe situation. Take a different path. There are people right now that you might be struggling with addiction. Tell somebody, go get some help. Take a different path. The very thing you're scared of losing, you will lose if you take the fear path. If you take the faith in God, the faith in God path, if you take the faith path, you will succeed. Because faith pleases God. And I tell you what, when you take that faith path, it is some scary Yeah,
0: again, um you you're oh man. Your understanding of faith is uh, well, it's off. It's off in in like a very significant way. Um <clears throat> yeah, it's that we're declared righteous by faith. And yes, we're saved by faith, but you're not talking about that kind of faith. Romans 4. So what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to flesh? If Abraham was justified, that means to be declared righteous by works, well, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as is due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as as righteousness so you just do a little bit of cross-referencing here uh, and you'll understand what's going on and what kind of faith it is that declares us righteous it's the faith that says christ died for my sins that's what this is talking about here we continue
4: very stuff It is. I have never felt well-suited for anything that God has ever asked me to do. It's like it's scary. It's coming up to the edge of this stage and just saying, okay, Nicole, take that first step. By the way, it's a doozy. (laughs) But every step of faith is scary. Now get this. Scary in faith is different than fear. Oh, right? Sometimes they can kind of look like each other. Like, just what's going on in my life right now. Last week, I was in Miami. I had to do two messages at a conference in Miami last week.
0: Oh, man. It must have been tough. Did you break a nail?
4: We have the the yellow brick road. This is kind of a big deal. You guys are scary. We have to... I have have to have this message ready for tonight. I'm getting ready to speak on a weekend. I have to have that message ready for the weekend. So I'm on the flight to Miami. Okay, I got two messages. I got to program my brain for this. I got to program my brain for that. Oh, I got to start writing the message for yellow brick road. I'll start writing that on the airplane. I read... 46 pages of a book I picked up that book I was reading the book It's all about the path And things that happen on the path I put it down I've read it before Used to be one of my favorite books And I thought This book is stupid (laughs) Well I was headed down the path At the wrong time So I went And I started working on the things For the conference And that started flowing And that started working And I went I did the conference I got back on the airplane Picked up that book again I thought I hate you stupid book I open it up to page 47, and do you know that I stayed on page 47 for two hours? God was speaking to me so many different things and giving me so many different ideas, and I got on the-
1: Really,
0: God was speaking to you out of a book that wasn't the Bible? Was it God-inspired?
4: the path at the right time. And after about hour number two in the book, I closed the book, and I started to cry. And I was like, God, it's a step of faith. I had to trust you to give me the conference messages at the right time. And then I got to trust you to give me the yellow brick road message at the right time. And I can't start working on that weekend thing because after yellow brick road is over, I have to trust you to do that at the same time, because I don't think I'm smart enough to do all of those things at the same time. But God knows if I'll take his path and I'll do it his way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know i took a job
0: and she gets an applause line in a church while she preaches about herself not christ
4: that i did not think i was qualified for and that was the job that god gave me my greatest financial gain when my father-in-law died i moved up to the front row while my husband started preaching and i thought well i guess if i sit on the front row the roof won't fall in I never, ever in a million years thought I would be up here speaking. And yet I'm on one of the faith church stages every single weekend ministering to people. You know, I never thought that we would lead a multi-city church. I mean, what happens when you have staff in one city and you're in another city? How do you walk down the hallway and communicate them? It's a step of faith. God's always going to ask us to trust him in these things that we can't see. And yet we're trusting him in faith, which is much different than operating in fear. Matter of fact, Proverbs three verse five says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart," so your heart's involved in it. Lean not to your own understanding; your brain's involved in it. How many of you had laid in bed at night and your brain just rolls and rolls and goes and goes?
0: Notice it's not trusting in the Lord. I mean, for like you know important things like the forgiveness of sins, a right standing before God. But trusting in the Lord because he's supposed to speak to your heart and have you take leaps of faith as he leads you along the path to find your dream destiny and purpose. Yeah, and everything's temporal. Rather than trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins so that you might have eternal
4: life. Goes and you have no idea what you're gonna do. What, you gonna do. what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? It's like a song that goes, What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Sometimes it gets a funky little beat, you start dancing in bed, like rolling from side to side, What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> That's why we can't trust our brain, our brain is crazy. So it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean, not under your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will will direct your path. God is involved in directing our path, and he wants us to go after those things that we think we can't do. He wants us to get that job that we need him to do well. He wants us to take that position that we don't think we're qualified for in a million years. He wants us to step out in faith and take that challenge that we don't think we have the ability for, or the smarts for, or the looks for, or the talent for. And he's out there saying, go for it, because if you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. If you don't ask for it, you'll never get it.
0: Again, which texts in the Bible talk about this? And does this contradict the whole deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me thing? I'm having a hard time reconciling Jesus' teaching with Nicole Crank's.
4: Maybe our marriage is better than we thought it would be, or our relationship with our kids is better than we thought it would be, or the job we took is better than we thought it would be. So we get on the path, and maybe we start standing still a little bit. The trick about better is that we don't realize that we're missing best. You know, I was on a a boat with some of my friends, and... They took us to this
0: another life story from Nicole Crank's life. How is this going to sanctify people? You I mean it does is this story Theaenostos God breathed is it going to is God going to use this as a means of grace to transform and renew people's minds?
4: Island thing, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna go exercise real quick. And I knew I only had about 15 minutes, it was this beautiful park, these trails that were groomed were phenomenal. So I took my phone because I thought I was gonna film it for a little bit. And believe it or not, such as it was, I come on this path and I come up to a fork in the path. I gotta go right or left. I don't even really think about it, I certainly don't stop to ask God about it. I just truck off to the left. And as I truck off to the left, guys, will you play that video for me? I come up on this deer, and as I come up on the deer, believe it or not, he licks my hand. And then he lets me pet him. I'm in the woods with this deer. I'm, like, scared to death. I don't know if he's going to bite me, like, rear up on his back legs. Like, you guys have seen the videos. They rear up on their back legs and claw your eyes out.
0: Um, I mean, it's cute and all, yes. It's kind of odd that a, a deer would allow you to pet it. But what does this have to do with God's word and sound biblical doctrine?
4: Or if he's going to run away any second. But sure enough, he licks my hand. And I have this encounter with this wild deer. And I had my video camera on my phone on. That is God. Uh,
0: Okay. And uh, why aren't you preaching the word again? Oh, that's right. Because these stories are more important than any story found in the Bible.
4: That is God. That is God. And, you know, there was no downside. As I was walking down the trails, they were beautiful. As I was walking down the trails, life was good. As I was walking down the trails and there was a fork in the road and I had to make a decision, I didn't bother to ask God's advice. I just thought, I got this. I'll make a choice. I didn't even think that. I just made the choice. I didn't ask my dad. I didn't ask my mom. I didn't ask my husband. And I didn't ask the creator of the universe. David was driving down the road one time. And we used to live out in the country. We used to live off of... Yeah,
0: David, not talking about the biblical David. This is David, her husband, David Crank. So she's now telling a David Crank story rather than a story about, you know, any famous David in the Bible. You know, it's not like there's any of those.
4: Gravel Road. Those songs on the country songs are like, driving down the old dirt road. That was me. Our car was always dirty. We lived on the dirt road. And my husband, just to freak me out, would totally shut the lights off and keep driving down the road. This gets funnier because I'm night blind. I'm a blast to play flashlight tag. All of a sudden I'm like, I can find you. I can find you. Tree. Mm-hmm, that's me. So he might be able to see a little bit, but I can't, I can't see it all. So I am screaming, David Crane, turn those car lights on. He's just laughing, <laughs> but I can't see a thing. I can't see where we're going. I can't see if we're on the road. I can't see if we're off the road. I can't see if we're in danger. I can't see if we're perfectly fine. All I know is I can't see. And we're moving down the road at a rapid pace. It happens in life so many times. We can't see a thing. And we go ahead and we just head down the road just as fast as we can. With the lights out. Hey guys, would you turn those lights out for me? You see. When it's dark, you can't see to make good decisions. If you look down right now, you can't see the things that you brought. You can't see your Bible. You can't see your bag. You can't see your purse. You really can't see much of what's going on. And in life, we don't bother to ask God. And this is about the view that we have in life. But when we ask God, the Bible says in Psalms one nineteen one o five, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And it's a light unto my path.
0: Yeah, that's true about God's word. Why aren't you preaching it?
4: In the message it says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light in my path. How many of you know? You can see me now. (laughs) Right? We can see so much better when we take God's word and we let that be the lamp in our life. Guys, you can go ahead and turn the lights back on. When we let God shine in our life, when we bother to stop and ask him for directions, when we bother to come to the fork in the road and just ask him for his guidance, he will light up things we have never, ever seen. God's wisdom is a lot like a GPS system. And if we will stop to ask him what school to go to, if we will stop and ask him if this is the right person to be in our life, if we will ask him if these are the right friends to surround ourselves with, if we will ask him if this is the right job that we're supposed to take, if we will ask him if we're supposed to stay when it's hard so we don't just run away from hard situations because sometimes he brings opportunity and opposition. If we will ask him if he wants us to ask somebody to church, because we don't really like to do that because that's kind of uncomfortable. If we will ask him what he wants us to do with the finances that he provides for us. If we will ask him, everybody say if, if we will ask him, he will guide us with his wisdom. He will turn this light on and shine it in our life so that we can see. In Proverbs 4, verse 18, it says, but the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous. Well, there you go, Pastor Nicole. There's my problem. I am not uncompromisingly just and righteous. Yeah,
0: in that sentence, you said, Pastor Nicole, Scripture forbids women from being pastors. So let's talk about righteousness in that context.
4: I mean, I'm a girl... Went to college, did some stuff my spouse is never going to know about, and certainly not going to tell my kids. I'm not uncompromisingly just and righteous, Pastor Nicole, so this verse doesn't apply to me. I'm here to tell you today, when you get washed in the blood of Jesus, when you ask his forgiveness and ask him to lead your life, you become the uncompromisingly just and righteous through him.
0: Sounds so close to the gospel, yet so far.
4: So the rest of that scripture says, but the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous, everybody say, that's me, is like the light of dawn that shines more and more. It shines clearer, and it just keeps getting brighter until it reaches its full strength and glory. I'm here to tell you today, that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to help you stay off of the wrong path. He wants to help you miss the bad relationships. He wants to help you out of the financial crisis. He wants to help you hook up with the right people. He wants to help you connect with the right clients. He wants to he- and, and what
0: if you're in the middle of all of the, the, the things in your life and it's the wrong relationship, the wrong clients, and things are going terrible for you and literally... The only way out is years of suffering.
4: Help you live in the right house. He wants to help you live a long and healthy life. He wants to help you be a blessing and be blessed in life. God wants to shine on your life. But trouble, trouble might still show up. There might still be an obstacle in the road, even when God is shining on us. You might be thinking, Pastor Nicole, I am sister super Christian. I mean, I have done right five whole minutes in a row. <laughs> I came and wanted to sit in my favorite seat, and they are all full, and I didn't even get my favorite section. I just I had to wait in line for those characters. And I mean, I waited in line, I did not even butt in line. I mean, I am sister super Christian. So, why did the trouble come? Well, sometimes obstacles come into the path. It doesn't necessarily mean that's not the path God wants you on. Sometimes opposition comes in our way. When the heat gets turned up, sometimes it's just because hell's mad that you're doing so good.
1: Where is she getting this theology from?
0: Not the Bible.
4: There was a a lady. She was going down the street one time, and she decided to write an autobiography in four short chapters. And I thought, you know what, this little story of this lady, this is such a great uh, tale of the way that Psalms 37, it says the footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So just because we've made some missteps in the past, doesn't mean that God can show us what those missteps are so that we can make the right steps in the future. So this lady, she wrote this four-page autobiography, four short chapters. And the first chapter went like this. I was walking down the street, and I fell in this really deep hole. I fell into it, and I got scratched up, and it hurt, and I was bruised, and it took me a really long time to get out. I was walking down the same street. I fell in the same hole. It hurt me. It bruised me. It took me a long time to get out. But this time I knew it was my fault that I fell in the hole. Chapter three, I was walking down the same street. I saw the hole and I walked around it. It didn't take me any more time, but I didn't get hurt. Chapter four, I walked down a different street.
0: And that gets an applause line in church. Why? Where does the Bible teach this?
4: I'm here to tell you today, if God is leading you onto a different street, you might have figured out how to operate in a lumpy life and how to operate in a life without God and how to operate without following his path and how to operate without asking him. But he doesn't even want you to walk down the street with those big old hurtful pot holes in it. He wants you to walk down a street.
0: Yeah, listen, you're, you're talking about all the things that God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to do this. He wants you to do that. He, you know, talking about God, right? But Nicole... God's word says that a pastor is to be the husband of but one wife. And that a woman should not teach men in church. This is what scripture says. God wants you to not be a pastor. And yet you're up there as Pastrix Nicole Crank, telling people what God wants them to do and not do. And you're not getting your theology from God's word. Well, makes you wonder why. Maybe it's because God's word tells you to sit down.
4: That you don't even have to worry about it. Just follow him and say, God, I am on my way to you. In Jesus' name. Was that all right for tonight?
0: No, that was awful. That was awful. Nothing biblical about it. I mean, I'm, we almost got the gospel. I mean, she came dangerously co- close to actually preaching it, but we didn't hear it. What did you think? I thought it was awful. <laughs> If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all your sins. Amen.